time for Healthy Talk Radio. Healthy Talk Radio with Julian Whitaker, MD, America's wellness doctor, and Deborah Ray, America's first lady of health. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Get in on the phone lines now by calling 1 800 307 3002. Now, here's Dr. Whitaker and Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, I smell a little uh, competition here with Coke and Cargill working on a form of stevia to sweeten beverages. Haynes Celestial has now received a letter from the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, their beverages sweetened with stevia. The FDA calling it an unsafe food additive. It's what we do on a regular basis with America's wellness doctor, Julian Whitaker, MD, our Men's Health Hour Focus. We invite you to join us toll-free, no matter where you're listening to us, at 1-800-307-3002. Today, our focus will be on human growth hormone. Lots of promise. There's a lot of research there. Or are you putting your health at peril? It's our Men's Health Focus on Is Human Growth Hormone for You? With Dr. Julian Whitaker, America's wellness doctor joining us right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, because our mission is to prevent the, present that healthcare news and views from credible sources that you won't hear anywhere else, Julian Whitaker, MD, America's Wellness Doctor, joins us today. Dr. Whitaker, hello and welcome. Good morning, Deborah. That first item about the um, uh, celestial ste- uh, seasonings, yeah. that's deja vu. It sure is. That's exactly what the FDA did back in the mid-80s. Uh, to They, they uh, confiscated... All of their stevia, they'd been using stevia in celestial seasonings teas for 20 years. And without warning, the FDA went in and confiscated it, you know, making way for aspartame, the artificial sweetener. It's amazing how it's so transparent. It's just amazing to me how they can collude so openly. And nobody seems to notice, much less care. It's amazing. It's not about health or safety, is it, Dr. No, it is not, no. Well, this is interesting, particularly in, in view, uh, Dr. Whitaker, of the, the recent analysis by the, the Harvard Women's Health Study that vitamin E, um, 600 international units a day, um, uh, dramatically reduced the women's risk of developing blood clots uh, by almost 30%. This research comes out of the Southwest Foundation for Biomedical Research. They're taking, again, a look at vitamin E levels. Apparently, they feel that it is uh, dose uh, dependent um, that the higher the levels of vitamin E, um, they had higher levels of oxidized LDL. That vitamin uh, uh, E's effects on HDL were were not as profound. But apparently, vitamin E is definitely linked with heart disease prevention. But the dosage makes a difference. Meaning that the higher the dose, the more the difference. Right. Well, that was I think that was true even in the study that they reported negative results because what they found, as I understand it, um, and I critiqued this study in my newsletter, um, was that the women that had the higher risk of, um, of disease were taking almost none 
because their compliance was so low and that the women that had good compliance actually were positive but when it was grouped together and not associated with the compliance it appeared negative so now when you have this confirming study that when you do take the vitamin E and you take a larger dose then you have a decided benefit on protection of uh, from heart disease which has been consistent since the 1940s mm-hmm. in terms of vitamin E of course, for many years, um, the drug companies actually, you know, distributed monographs because there was like a thousand, two thousand studies a year on vitamin E. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's, it's what it's one of those orthomolecular substances that are going is going to be around, effective, and utilized for a million years. Right. Right. It's not going to go away because it is so beneficial. Well, this is a, a nutrient that we don't. Uh, we hope it doesn't go away because it's part of our vitamin D and fish oil uh, focus. Mm-hmm. University of Pittsburgh has been taking a little uh, a more deep look at women, um, particularly uh, of childbearing age during pregnancy and vitamin D deficiency, and their statistics are, are rather alarming. Um, you know, the, the vitamin D studies suggest that um, vitamin D is an important nutrient to help uh, prevent preeclampsia. What the University of Pittsburgh has now revealed, uh, Dr. Whitaker, is that 80% of black women, 50% of white women, tested vitamin D deficient at pregnancy. And among the infants, 93% of black babies, 66% of white babies, vitamin D deficient at birth. Um, it's just astounding how beneficial it would be to create a widespread awareness for taking vitamin D in women for pregnancy. This would be similar to um, the taking the folic acid. We probably could have an equally beneficial role in preventing um, uh, the disease of, of gestational accidents and, and gestational problems by taking vitamin D. Right. We're now, we're now recommending uh, folic acid, and we could, could and should be doing vitamin D. But it's, um, you know, it's every man for himself now. You can't depend upon the traditional physician, traditional media to guide you in these areas. You're going to have to do the research yourself, listen to this show, read books, um, you know, stay, uh, look on the internet to get, uh, you know, opposing opinions. You really need to stay informed because the information conduits are not reliable. And the interesting thing about this as well is they commented that 90% of these pregnant women were taking prenatal vitamins, and quote, yet deficiency was still common, unquote. Um, now, the prenatal vitamins have vitamin D in them, do they A not? A very small amount, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's around two to 400 units in right. the prenatal, but I'm not right. sure. Well, this is uh, amazing research. Uh, coming out of Denmark, they're taking a look at people who have um, mild to moderate iodine deficiency. Apparently, they don't iodize salt as we do in this country. And mm-hmm. what they found was, was a little intriguing. They found an increased incidence of low-functioning, more hypothyroidism seen following iodine fortification of salt that's telling me that, you know, for many years we've been told, oh, you don't need to worry about it. We iodized our salt, and apparently it really doesn't do the job all that well, Dr. Whitaker. So they were actually experiencing an increase in low iodine after the iodization of salt? Right, right. Well, that's, that's intriguing. 
Did they give a reason for that? They, I mean, you know, they they ended with the the typical send more money for more study. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, iodine should be taken primarily as a supplement. Right. Then, right. correct. Absolutely. Well, this is a little disturbing. The current issue of the journal Diabetes Care has a recommendation for all diabetic men older than 40, all diabetic women older older than 45, should start taking statin drugs. Quote, the use is justified, unquote. You agree, Dr. Whitaker? No, I don't. <laughs> I think this is, this is um, again, simply the power of the pharmaceutical companies to thrust uh, statin drugs into the mix. What are you trying to do with diabetics in that age is that you're trying to prevent the complications of diabetes. We know that diabetes has an increase in in death rate from cardiovascular disease. We know that it's the number one cause of blindness. We know that it's the number one cause of amputation. We know that it's the number one cause of kidney failure and kidney um, replacement. Um, But the way to prevent those complications is the natural way. And the natural way simply means to get the exercise in, get the diet in, controlling the blood sugar levels with activity and lifestyle changes, and above all, taking nutritional supplements. Because the diabetic condition is named diabetic because diabetes means excessive urination. It comes from the Greek term. And the sugar causes this excessive urination, and it causes the sweep out of virtually all water-soluble vitamins. So diabetes is not just a problem with elevated blood sugar levels, but it is a problem of massive nutritional wasting that you have to compensate with taking multiple vitamins and minerals. If you want to prevent cardiovascular disease in the diabetic, you take a lot of vitamins, exercise, do not take the oral hypoglycemic drugs because they increase the risk of cardiovascular disease, and you get right back to compensating for what the statins are used for, you can do that naturally and more effectively with niacin and fish oil and with um, a ground-up flaxseed will comp- accomplish everything that you do with niacin without any of the side effects. This is just another ploy to corral another 25 to 35 million people into the drug rolls. $9 billion a year for Lipitor, I guess, is not enough. Not enough. We're going to be back. Our men's health focus, Julian Whitaker, MD, America's Wellness Doctor, joining us today is human growth hormone for you, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. And now, the Men's Health Hour with Dr. Julian Whitaker, sponsored by Longevinex, the most advanced resveratrol pill for your good health. Our focus today is human growth hormone for you. We invite you to join us toll-free, no matter where you're listening to us, your health care questions about men's health, hormone balance, uh, human growth hormone, with Julian Whitaker, MD, uh, joining us today. And knowing that our prelude to this uh, was a men's health focus on DHEA. How does human growth hormone fit into the picture, Dr. Whitaker? Well, human growth hormone is what Postelian was looking like before when he came over looking for the fountain of youth. It is truly a remarkable substance. I think it's misnamed. It, it, it has to do a lot with growth, but it has more to do with the maintenance and the uh, shoring up of the body as we age. When human growth hormone is produced, 
uh, in the uh, mid-adolescence. Uh, it causes the growth spurts, which we all know about. And then in around the mid-20s, it begins to uh, sunset, you know, gradually throughout uh, the rest of our lives. Uh, when you find people older uh, and, you, and they take human growth hormone, one of the most uh, remarkable studies was published all the way back in 1990. That was 17 years ago. They found that uh, supplemental human growth hormone for over a nine-month period uh, reduced body fat, increased lean muscle size, uh, muscle weight, uh, increased bone density, uh, increased thin uh, skin thickness, uh, increased uh, cellular water in the organs, which is uh, an aspect of aging, which is the drying up, etc., and did everything without any major side effects. And studies since then have shown that gr- human growth hormone will dramatically aid in wound healing and will dramatically aid in the treatment of disease of, of, for the elderly population. Now, at Whitaker Wellness, we use human growth hormone routinely in patients with cardiovascular disease, in patients with congestive heart failure, in patients with wound with wound uh, problems. We do not use human growth hormone just as a rejuvenant or just as an anti-aging, and it's primarily for the political reasons. There's a, there's a move to shut down what is considered to be so-called recreational use of human growth hormone. We don't do that, but we have found it extremely helpful in uh, the aging population for the treatment of disease when the measurement of the human growth hormone in the blood shows that it is low. And it is virtually always low when people get older. It really is one of the most remarkable rejuvenants uh, that I've ever, um, that I know of, to tell you the truth. So, so how, do, how do you measure? Is there a human growth hormone uh, blood study uh a test by which to, uh, t- to test people, Dr. Whitaker? Yes, you can. There have been two or three ways of measuring it. Uh, the ones that we use now is called insulin-like growth factor. Um, and it's a simple blood test. You can measure the insulin-like growth factor. And the insulin-like growth factor is given in um, averages per age group. And this is deceiving because um, as you get much older and you have like one third or one-fourth the insulin-like growth factor and you have a range in that area, that just simply means you don't have much at that age. Uh, compared, for instance, it could go from 1,200 to, at, at age 35 to 300 at age 60, something like that. And I don't have the, the numbers, but that is the, the, the uh, degree of drop with age. Mm-hmm. It's not normal. It's not healthy to have that because as we age actually we get less healthy more vulnerable and more frail now when you can increase that growth hormone level say triple it from 300 to 900 you haven't gotten all the way up to the level you had when you were 22 but to increase the human growth factor or the insulin-like growth hormone in in, um, people who have an illness will dramatically improve their health profile in almost everything. It truly is remarkable. But we use it primarily for um, the, the assistance that we need in treating patients that have degenerative diseases that are being kind of ravaged as they uh, get into the um, older years. 
So, you know, is it something that is particularly a benefit for the degenerative diseases like um, like heart disease and diabetes, or just in terms of general overall aging? Well, Dr. Whitaker. Well, both. It's, uh, it can be targeted for improvement of heart function. Mm-hmm. And it can be targeted for the improvement. With diabetes, it's a little tricky because with diabetes, there's some indication that uh, growth hormone might exacerbate the blood sugar level because growth hormone will is access um, a nutritional storage and increases um, the uh, other areas of uh, nutritional storage and may actually cause um, a decrease in insulin and an exacerbation in blood sugar. So we monitor blood sugar when we're using human growth hormone in diabetics. But in, um, in the other, in heart disease, in arthritis, in wounds, in um, uh, 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 osteoporosis, it's a very powerful measure and can be used in diabetics as well if you are monitoring and you're careful with it. You mentioned the the heart, and, and I, I believe I've read, if you'll tell us a little bit more, heart failure in particular. Um, seems to be one of these areas where human growth hormone may be of benefit. Well, heart failure, as, as we know, it the heart is weakened. Mm-hmm. The heart begins to um, uh, not pump with as much force. It then begins to swell. And so with heart failure, there are a variety of things that can be used to substantially improve the heart. Growth hormone would not be the single one. Uh, I think if there's a natural remedy for heart failure, it would be um, uh, coenzyme Q10, L-carnitine, arginine, uh, the B-complex containing the folic acid. Um, those are the elements that would help substantially in the function of the heart. But because the heart is a muscle and because human growth hormone enhances and improves the strength and the um, uh, recovery rate of muscle, Yes, it would be substantially beneficial in patients with heart failure. I think that the growth hormone would be highly useful in hospitals, very useful in hospitals. For instance, you have so many elderly uh, patients undergoing surgery, lying in bed and trying to heal, Mm -hmm. hip fractures, uh, you know, bypass. um, Gosh, it just would be a boon to have them supplemented with some additional human growth hormone for wound healing. It is shown to substantially accelerate wound healing. But it's almost never done and never will be done. Uh, And I'm not sure. There's no scientific reason not to. Right. But um, uh, it has a... It is a rejuvenant. And the reason I think it would be so valuable in hospitals is because they're rejuvenants are truly needed because of the um, uh, debilitation that people exist that have that are in the hospital but that's where you're mo- least likely to find it um, conventional medicine is schizophrenic it does things which are very very dangerous and debilitating and just does not do things which are rejuvenative and, uh, and enabling 
I think one of the, the you know, some of the most d- dramatic examples, uh, you know, having been part of a, a medical practice uh, who, uh, w- which did use human growth hormone uh, uh, with with seniors, was was the shift in muscle mass from from fat yes. mass to muscle mass. I mean, that was just a dramatic physical change, Dr. Whitaker. It was. Um all the way in, in 1990, going back to his original study, Daniel Rudman, this was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, um, they gained men, 12 healthy men, you know, took it for um, uh, three times a week for about six to eight months. And these men uh, gained an average of 8.8% in lean body mass. That means an 8.8% increase in muscle. There was a 14.4% reduction in fat. Now, this is not a, uh, there would not have been a weight loss configuration for this because muscle weighs more than fat. So if you got about a 9% increase in fat and a 14%, I mean 9% increase in muscle and a 14% decrease in fat, you're probably going to stay the same weight, but you're going to look better. Dr. Whitaker. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. Now, here's Julian Whitaker, MD, America's Wellness Doctor, and Deborah Ray, America's First Lady of Health. Our men's health focus, we invite you to join us. Go to the phone, pick it up, give us a call, 800 307-3002. We're talking about is human growth hormone for you? 1-800-307-3002. Talking about um, some of those um, well documented and uh, I've seen you know the, the clinical evidence of of shift uh, from from muscle to to more lean body mass, more muscle mass, even thickness of the skin. That was one of the most uh, dramatic physical examples of uh, human growth hormone use, Dr. Whitaker. It is. You see, if we look at what happens when you age, it is basically a drying up procedure. What happens is that cellular water, not edema fluid, but cellular water begins to decrease. Organ size begins to shrink. Skin thickness begins to uh, uh, shrink. And if you take, say, an 11-year-old and you uh, grab some skin on the back of the hand and pull it up, mm-hmm. it will immediately snap back right to the position that you had before you pinched the skin. On an older person, however, it will tint. The skin will become loose, you know, like a beagle. Uh, you know, and that is because there's loss of cellular water and there is a reduction in skin thickness. Now, with human growth hormone, this changes. And some of, one of the complications of human growth hormone, one of the side effects of human growth hormone, which is um, relevant to this uh, reality, is a side effect of human growth hormone is carpal tunnel syndrome. It doesn't happen to a lot of people. Uh, generally, reduction in dose or some exercises, you know, moving the wrist around can alter it. But that is because as the um, cells begin to collect and become more, uh, to take more water, the nerves uh, that are going through the wrist canal are going through a canal that is also shrunk, and the canal does not expand to compensate for the slightly enlarging uh, nerve passage, and so you have the carpal tunnel. Um, the uh, you know exercise and and some other things can do that. You certainly don't, don't need to have surgery. 
uh, the skin also begins to to thicken mm-hmm. so that you have it. And the other interesting thing about human growth hormone that I've seen in several patients, depending upon when it is started, uh, reading glasses. Um, everybody wears reading glasses starting around 40. And the reason is that the lens cannot accommodate by going more to a ball. The lens is like a ball, um, you know, like a small, uh, a, a, diminutive, a diminutive marble. And as it loses water, it doesn't plump out to the almost complete circular formation. And therefore, the near point where you can focus on uh, uh, letters up close continues to recede, to go away. So that you see older people holding the newspaper out with both arms stretched. Right. And when people, when this just begins to happen, mm-hmm. uh, human growth hormone tends to cause them to throw away glasses. Hmm. They don't need them anymore, primarily because the the turgid, the water that uh, uh, fills the lens, right. gives a better accommodation. Uh, and now that their near point begins to come closer again as it was when they were in their 20s and, and early 30s. So a lot of the complications are not really complications as they would be expected right. of phenomenon right. related to the action of the human growth hormone. Let's uh, hear uh, what Sig has to uh, question about. Uh, Sig, hello and welcome. You're on the air with Dr. Whitaker. Morning, uh, Sig. Uh, Whitaker, uh, I had gotten an infomercial in the uh, mail about hydrilla, the pondweed that probably Deborah's familiar with. Uh, being a source of uh, what amounts to growth hormone-like effects on the, uh, what they say is hypothesis. I think that's the same as pituitary, isn't it? Yes, it is. And well, uh, okay. I'm wondering if you had heard anything about that. Listen, there are several ways to increase your production of human growth hormone. One of the most significant and predictable ways is exercise. Yeah. Exercise will increase the body's production of human growth hormone. However, the oral intake of substances either to stimulate the body to produce more growth hormone or oral supplements of so-called growth hormone, you know, don't really work um, because we've looked at them. Even the large pharmaceutical companies, which I criticize, you know, routinely, have looked for a oral mechanism to increase growth hormone and cannot find a reliable one. So I generally will will be asked about something of this nature. I will not say don't do it. I will say that it is not likely to be predictably um, uh, effective at increasing the human growth hormone because the shots are predictably effective. Uh, and they are, are pretty comfortable that you know you take them. It's not like you you're having to go through pain. They're like insulin shots. Um, so I don't know this substance that you talked about, but in general, I have to say I'm not aware of anything oral that can predictably uh, uh, and um, expectedly uh, elevate the human growth hormone. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Oh, thank you're very you. welcome. Thank Call you. Call us back. For your interest, an open phone line to invite you to join us at 1-800-307-3002. So, so these precursors, I mean, even questions about certain amino acids, it sounds like um, 
why we would like to believe that the, you know, the scientific documentation just really isn't there, Dr. Whitaker. Well, it's not only that it's not there; it it, uh, it, it just is not plausible, really, right. um, because the 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 actual molecule um, <clears throat> is pretty large. You cannot swallow the human growth hormone molecule mm-hmm. because it gets into the stomach, it's broken down by the acids, it's broken down by the intestinal tract, and, and the absorption of anything active doesn't come across. Uh, the body does make it, you know, and it does make it from substances. There's arginines, a factor in, in the production of human growth hormone internally. But to get any kind of predictable uh, elevations, uh, the only thing that I know of that will do that will be uh, growth hormone by shot. It doesn't mean that the body cannot be stimulated to increase growth hormone. Mm-hmm. Um, ex- again, as I've mentioned, exercise does it. Right. Uh, weightlifting does it. Mm-hmm. That kind of exercise does mm-hmm. it. Anything that puts some stress on the uh, muscles or the uh, um, uh, bones or uh, puts some stress on the act- you know activity that is somewhat stressful, you know, like exercise will elevate human growth hormone. Um, but um, the only way to predictably elevate it when you really uh, got very low levels would be the injections. How about uh, lifestyle factors that perhaps adversely uh, affect human growth hormone? I mean, we've made such dramatic changes, uh, you know, in our diet, um, you know, other medications that might even affect uh, human growth hormone. What do, what do we know, uh, if anything, Dr. Whitaker? Well, what the, the you know what you know about the lifestyle factors that would cause a reduction in human growth hormone is the same lifestyle factors that cause uh, deterioration health in every area. Okay. Uh, I mean. It, you know, a, a, a healthy, vibrant person generally has a metabolic and hormonal um, profile and generally has activity levels or habits or dietary preferences that are would be expected to cause this. Now, there's some outliers. I mean, all of us know people that eat everything and never gain weight. I can't figure that out. But uh, some people are. But in general, uh, healthy life choices in, will cause healthy uh, um, measurements of, um, of benefit, you know, of health. Mm-hmm. And human growth hormone is simply one of those. A DHEA is one of those. Um, uh, HDL is one of those. Um, uh, C-reactive protein, a measure of inflammation, is a healthy life uh, measurement. Mm-hmm. So healthy choices, healthy life, exercise are the um, factors which will cause improvements in all of the, the parameters, including growth hormone. Now, knowing that, uh, that you've educated us about hormonal balance, are, are there factors uh, like, for example, uh, DHEA that work in conjunction, testosterone working in conjunction with human growth hormone supplementation, or is that uh, uh, based upon the, the individual patient need, Dr. Whitaker? Well, there was a recent study uh, that looked at both uh, testosterone and growth hormone in men, and it was substantially positive. They did not have the same results in women, but in men, the use of uh, testosterone uh, supplementation plus growth hormone gave uh, beneficial measurements in, in all of the pro, in all of the categories that they were looking at, uh, and that would be expected. I mean, testosterone by itself in older men is remarkable. Mm-hmm. It's just 
you know, it's, 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 it can be as dramatic as growth hormone right. in its ability to build lean muscle mass, to increase vigor, to increase vitality. And the two together are, are very much um, involved in improvement of, um, of um, uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. No. So the two together, in women, testosterone and growth hormone don't seem to react the same, but I think testosterone, testosterone in women can also be dramatic, and growth hormone in women can also be dramatic, but together they are not shown to be uh, additive to the degree that they are in men. Now, if we, if we if we take a look at um, you know the, the prescription, um, you know there there have been some changes over the years with one company buying another and, and different forms. Um, so when we consider growth hormone uh, supplementation with our physician, um, you know, are there some some tips that we need to know in terms of making a wise choice, making sure that we're using the the form on which the research has done, Dr. Whitaker? Well, first, when we use growth hormone at uh, Whitaker Wellness, we use all. Only the uh, pharmaceutical uh, prescribed growth hormone. This is one of the areas where I am uh, definitely uh, thankful to the pharmaceutical companies for providing this healing remedy because it's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't import the growth hormone from out of the country. Uh, we use it. We, we actually don't even dispense it. Uh, and I don't, I, we don't dispense it from our office primarily for the political reasons, you know, because they, I don't want to carry that risk, that regulatory risk of dispensing it. We'll write the prescription for the growth hormone, they go to, um, a pharmacy to have it filled. Um, one of the problems that you have with growth hormone is it is expensive. It will cost anywhere from 80 to $120 a week, depending upon what is the, the cost at the pharmacy. Uh, but some physicians will charge up to $1,000 a week. Uh, so you have to be careful about um, about the cost and uh, where, it's, where it's dispensed from. Mm-hmm. But we use the, um, uh, the pharmaceutical uh, prescribed uh, mm-hmm. growth hormone by prescription, and we measure the, uh, the somatomedin levels or the insulin-like growth factor levels. Right. So we're, we're using it as a, um, uh, a therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's truly rejuvenated. We, it, it's, it, um, our patient population, we don't use, you know, as much as someone who does that only, but we use a lot of growth hormone in patients who need it. Now, I just had the opportunity um, uh, with a dear friend who's got a chronic uh, back problem to do some, some prolotherapy research for that, uh, that person. And mm-hmm. I was, was amazed that even in conventional medicine, um, there is very much a move afoot both in research and clinical practice to, to use injectable human growth hormone along with prolotherapy. Have you heard that as well, Dr. I Lover? have heard of that. I have uh, talked to some patients who've had that done. Uh, it certainly makes sense. Uh, it's very innovative. Um, we don't do it, uh, uh, and, and, and that does not in, at all mean that it's not good. Um, but it's something that we uh, we will we'll be looking at. But um, it is unique because it, the growth hormone and the um, and the prolotherapy would be right at the site yeah. where yeah. you have the problem. And prolotherapy has been shown. And one of the mechanisms of prolotherapy, which is the injection of like sugar water around the joint capsule of an aching or an arthritic joint, mm-hmm. which causes some mild inflammation and a healing process around the joint, which strengthens the capsule and s- tends to eliminate the pain in a dramatic, almost unbelievable fashion. 
And one of the mechanisms of that benefit with the prolotherapy is that when you measure the, the environment right at the site where the injections are, there's an increase in growth hormone. It comes to those sites. Inflammation will attract it. Now, if you're adding a little bit of growth hormone to the injection itself, you're simply magnifying substantially the amount of growth hormone in the area, which theoretically is very sound to be, expect to improve your results. So um, uh, that it does make sense, but um, the injection itself is going to increase the, the, the uh, uh, growth hormone at the area. So it's unique. That is a, that is unique, uh, a unique aspect of prolotherapy, which we use quite a bit. Yeah, I had the opportunity to uh, actually make some calls on, on behalf of this person, you know, to try and, and, and track down somebody uh, who was, you know, specifically, um, um, you know, expert in the area of backs and uh, found that particularly when it comes to, to backs and to hips, I guess the big joints, human growth hormone uh, has shown some, some definite clinical benefit, uh, Dr. Whitaker. Well, I'm going to be researching that myself to see if we could do that. But growth hormone actually simply by injection subcutaneously would tend to improve Back those conditions more. as well. Dr. Whitaker. America's first source for breaking health care news and up-to-the-minute health care information. Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray and America's wellness doctor, Julian Whitaker, M.D. Is human growth hormone for you? It's our men's health focus. We invite you to go to the phone, call us at 800-307-3002. And knowing that you know, even in our 40s and 50s, we're about aging well, you know, are there some target ages? Because I've had people I mean, seriously interested in human growth hormone at age 45 or age 50 and had doctors say, you know, come back when you're 60 is it individual, or, or are there some ages that are appropriate to consider human growth hormone uh, uh, given a deficiency, Dr. Whitaker? Well, you, you've got two things. You've got the given a deficiency, right. and you've got it used uh, 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 intermittently and for a, short, for a specific period of time for a problem. Okay. So there are two ways to do it. Now, using it chronically, you know, is is a decision that the individual and the physician has to make dependent upon the blood levels and the age, et cetera. And we don't use uh, growth hormone in younger people uh, nearly as much as some other physicians do. And basically, it's, and I'll be very candid, it's because of the politics. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just afraid to have, you know, some regulatory agency, you know, uh, rough us up uh, because we are so-called, quote, inappropriately, end of quote, using human growth hormone. On the other hand, if you have someone age 40 who breaks a bone, has surgery, has a wound, uh, or has low levels, uh, or, you know, or has a, a condition, uh, you know, early onset of heart disease, or these kinds of things, it's wonderful therapy. So you use it as therapy, and you use it as a maintenance, a rejuvenative factor, and the 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 latter has to be individualized, but the former. I think is grossly underutilized. I think human growth hormone ought to be used in virtually every post-op patient over the age of 35. You know, small amounts would help, you know, would cut hospital stay, increase healing. I think human growth hormone should be used in virtually every patient, regardless of why they're in the hospital, if they're over 55 or 60, uh, because this is going to be rejuvenative. Um, so there's a, there's a great potential for its use, which is the whole thing thrust of this particular program that um, can be uh, uh, regenerative 
re- regenerative in the older group and can be therapeutic in the younger group. Is there an international uh, focus on human growth hormone use as well, particularly in Europe, Dr. Whitaker? I think so, and yeah. to for uh, readers to get more information on this, they could call the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Uh-huh. That's A4M, and that's at worldhealth.net. Interesting um, topic. I think that's the um, um, worldhealth.net. We right. get some more right. information on it. Dr. Whitaker, thank you. Great information. Hey. A lot of fun. Thank you. Men's Health Focus is human growth hormone for you. America's Wellness Doctor joining us today. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you, live long, stay healthy. You can hear the Men's Health Hour each Wednesday during this time when Dr. Whitaker and Deborah Ray discuss health issues of particular importance to men. The Men's Health Hour is sponsored by Longevinex, the most advanced red wine resveratrol pill for your good health.